Hey, my name is Karina Owens. And if you take one thing away from this podcast, know that client experience is not just a department. It's a core value that your company should hold. And that should be communicated from the top down. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome back to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector. And today we have Karina Owens, who has over a decade of experience in B2B marketing with a focus on account-based marketing and great customer experiences. She's been recognized by SurveyMonkey and Feedback as a CX ambassador in 2020, spoke at Salesforce's Dreamforce annual conference in 2019, which is a huge accomplishment in, in, in this world. And she is also an active volunteer with a partnership against domestic violence as a member of their Hearts with Hope Committee. Karina Owens is now the Director of Marketing at Prophecy, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and proud cum laude of Kennesaw State University. Welcome, Karina. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you so much, Pablo, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. You know, that that's that's the end of my broadcaster voice, right? When I do the intro. <laughs> you know, Karina, we're, we're talking about this is the the beginning of a new iteration of my podcast, talking about the future of business development and how things are blending. And we're going to get into a bunch of interesting topics. But I'd love to hear from you just on a on a basic level. You have awesome experience. You've you've been, you know, very well seasoned in this world. What's been the biggest obstacle you think that holds back the the mindset of of business development going into the current state that we're in right now Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think historically business development um, has always been seen like as a numbers game, right? So if you get X amount of people into your email cadences, or if you dial, you know, a thousand calls a day, right, that that's going to be what gets your quota. And I think we just don't really operate in an environment like that anymore. You know, we live in a digital world. We've been all forced to go remote. So we just have all these different avenues to which we can communicate and engage. And so I think really hope a lot of business development and sales development representatives have taken from this is to take the time to look at who you're prospecting to. You know, what is really in it for them versus what is in it for you? Because that really shows through when you're really truly leading with, okay, what is this individual going to get out of having this conversation with me versus me trying to just hit that number and move on to the next person. Yeah, relationship building 101, right? Like right. I I've said it oftentimes, but that I didn't really I didn't realize that that was the 
foundation of relationship development to like my early thirties, right? Like for, for a long time, it was more like, how cool can I look uh, <laughs> until somebody, you know, figures out that I'm the coolest person in the room. Right. And right. it was, and, and I read off your, your volunteerism because that, that was the period of my life, right? Getting really involved in nonprofits and understanding that the most influential people in the city are part of boards of nonprofits and they've grown their influence by serving others and, and, yeah. and, and helping others. It dawned on me, is that something, is that something that you've learned, you know, that foundation? Did you learn that intuitively? Did you learn it at home? Did, have you learned it in business? Like kind of how, wh- when did you start to realize that it's really communication and building relationships is about the other person? Yeah. I mean, I'm to be quite honest with you, I learned it very early on, you know, as a means of survival, right? Just really understanding how to interact with somebody, you know, what drives them, what motivates them. And so I could really relate to a lot of the different organizations that I partner with, like, you know, Hearts with Hope, which is Partnership Against Domestic Violence. It's it's all about listening to your audience and understanding what really motivates them and what moves them. And that's what's going to drive a, a meaningful connection for the other person. And that's what's going to make them want to engage with you. And yeah, I mean, really B2B, B2C, it's all about relationship. And, and that's what's led me to be successful in my career is, is leading with that. And ultimately, that is what marketing is, is having that awareness into, you know, what really matters to your audience and, and, and when and how can you best serve. So I do think, I mean, that's a great point. Any B2B professional, particularly marketing and sales, getting involved in something like a nonprofit organization will help that skill set to become much more intuitive and really will drive to revenue later. Yeah, totally. Totally. Cool. I'm glad we I'm glad we touched on that. So you and me you and I originally connected on in the peak community group, right? Like awesome, yeah. awesome group put together by Sangram. And you posted something about this poll on LinkedIn about BDR SDR alignment. You want to kind of tell me a little bit about this post and, and what spurred it? Yeah, absolutely. I think marketers for probably the past two to three years, I mean, probably historically much longer, but it's been much more relevant with the rise of account-based marketing. You know, that is a very strategic approach for marketers about how they're engaging their audience. So much of that matters that you're carrying that experience in, in the ad or the website that you're serving to that individual that transfers into the first conversation that they actually have with your company, with your brand. And a lot of times when marketing and sales are really siloed, that connection gets lost. I mean, no matter how many emails you send or how many internal meetings you have, if sales is not really ingrained and aligned with your uh, marketing campaigns, then that experience is often for not for the prospect and, and that disconnect shows. So I've been hearing so many marketers in the past year fighting with their executive team to really get their BDRs or SDRs underneath the marketing function because of just that. So they don't have to go through all the hoops and the hurdles and deal with the silos. I mean, they are the first interaction that most prospective customers have with your brand. So I was curious, based on the rise of ABM, how many teams, particularly in the B2B enterprise software sales world, had actually been able to successfully migrate their teams or migrate their BDRs into the marketing function. And the data was really uh, delightfully surprising that even though it is still largely falling underneath the sales function, BDRs have made the move to fall into the marketing uh, function. And, And you did see that a lot of companies like manufacturers, insurance, they stayed with the BDRs and the sales team, but the software, you know, high tech, internet, media companies were pushing that alignment to BDR. So I think that that really does show that that trend is continuing. That is that is interesting to see that it moved so quickly, right? Do you think that that was a COVID speeding up the economy, like it sped up a bunch of trends thing? 
A hundred percent. I mean, you took away so many foundational marketing and sales elements, like in-person trade shows. You just ripped that out from people. And I know a lot of businesses, you know, peers of mine, they suffered from that because they did not have that backup model of that quick pivot to a webinar or a virtual event or a digital strategy where they had a Google AdWords campaign up and running that they could optimize or display advertising that just was it was not there. So the strategies and the framework of account-based marketing, particularly through the lens of digital, I mean, (laughs) those companies have had so much success just because of COVID out of the force need. So talk to me about about manufacturers. You're talking about a a couple of different verticals. You, You are right now in the B2B tech world, right? And how big is Prophecy just to get a, just to get a scope? Sure. So we're a master data management company and we are global. So, I mean, we're competing with things like Informatica, you know, one of our most strategic partners is Microsoft. So a very large, you know, software company, we're still, you know, growing and growing rapidly, but yeah, I mean, we, we definitely serve a a global audience and our need is, it's all about clean data for us. So the need is really cross vertical industry agnostic. We we serve everyone. Okay. And, and what is, so in the client, so I, I assume that you have a decent amount of insight, not just into prophecy and your past companies, but since you're serving in this role, I guess you're getting insight into your clients as well is, is what's informing these opinions. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, any marketing campaign that I spin up, I, I do not like to uh, do so in a silo myself. I do make sure that we do have a customer voice that is very present and I rely on their feedback and how they're actually using our solution heavily, because I think often there is a, at many companies, a disconnect between what we think the problem is that we're solving versus what we actually are solving for our customers. So yeah, the voice of our customer is ever present in any kind of blog webinar event and you really do see a deeper connection um, when your customers when you involve them in, in such a deep and meaningful way it really translates to the rest of your audience as well talk to me about talk to me about understanding that disconnect like how do you how do you get a sense for that that disconnect between like this is what I'm selling you versus this is what you're buying yeah, you know, I, I think in many ways it it starts when anytime you're anytime I'm entering a new company, I often just you know take a, a seat back and I, I take a look at Google and see what's actually uh, trending and searching for what you know we're saying we solve the problem for. And a lot of times you'll find that even verbiage is just massively different. And just making that alignment and adjustment right there leads to a lot of awareness initially, and you know it'll show great great initial success at your current company. But another thing is really if your company is uh, client centric and they really do care about you know how how your clients are using your product or services then you should be incorporating a feedback loop at any stage in the buyer's journey, even before they raise their hand and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about your solution or hey, I'd like to see your demo. You should always be kind of listening in your social channels, throughout your email campaigns, in your live events. And when you do that, you're often going to find some uh, similarity in the types of questions that get asked in those live events or you know, the type of feedback. And when you, when you hone in on that and create content by just listening through those different channels and those different signals, you're really able to attract a much wider and more precise audience. So even if you think that you're the most sophisticated solution or service out there, you know, it may be that simple, simple problem that you're solving for your prospective clients that really gets them hooked. And then maybe they can elevate to the the problem that your company thinks they're solving. So for me, it really is about making sure that before 
anybody raises their hand saying, Hey, I'm ready to speak or, Hey, I'm ready to buy your product. If you're listening through the different channels that you're serving your content through for some key common themes or questions or feedback that they're sharing, craft your, your events or your messaging as a response to what you are hearing. That's a profound truth. (laughs) Cool. So Real quick, just on specifics on that, how do you how do you listen? Is that like a Martech stack thing that you put together, or do you have like simple ways of listening to that type of stuff? Is it a spreadsheet? Is it intuitive? Yeah, you know, it it can be as you know sophisticated as you want. You can lose all, use all the solutions out there. You know, there's many that I've used in the past, even like something like a Survey Monkey or Get Feedback. There's very obvious solutions to get the feedback, but it's also just being present and being active where, you know, your target audience is consuming content. So whatever that, you know, third party news site is where your individuals are going to, you know, read the latest and greatest news and blogs, go there, pay attention to the comments, comment yourself, you know, see what they respond in response to something that, you you know, you, you wrote upon, go to your social channels, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, just pay attention to the different trending topics that relate to your business and just be active yourself. I think there's also this misconception, I think, with marketers that maybe that's not their job, that maybe that's where sales should be operating and they should be doing that. But if you're, again, wanting to provide meaningful content that you know is going to resonate with your audience, you should be where your audience is consuming that content and you should be an active participant so you can stay in the know. So it doesn't have to be sophisticated at all. It's just more about making a intentional effort to be living and breathing where you know your audience is living and breathing content. And that really is just about being mindful about it, in my opinion. Yeah. Be a part of the community. That makes perfect sense. Yes. It's okay. So you landed the plane there beautifully because you brought us back to this like SDR, BDR sales alignment, right? So talk to me about what it was and then you know, describe to me kind of the structure of alignment that you've seen in the past and describe to me in in your opinion, what you think is the optimal, give me like a from two kind of of it. Yeah. So I think, you know, and I think a lot of sales leaders still think this way. I mean, even marketing leaders too. I mean, historically, I think sales was really viewed as owning the entire buyer's journey or the entire funnel of a sales cycle. And that's just really not true. I mean, when you peel back the layers Oftentimes somebody's somebody is researching, you know, your solution or topic well in advance again of them saying, hey, I'm ready to talk. So marketing really is responsible for a, a, a massive chunk of the actual sales cycle. And again, that to me means that it's not necessarily time for sales to come in and have that hard sell or hard pitch yet about why you need to talk to, you know, your solution or your provider right now. So it is very important, I think, for marketing to to know that, you know, they are ever present. They're always showcasing your brand and your value proposition. And oftentimes it's just, you know, it's going to take time for those prospective clients to reach the stage where it is a sales qualified lead or a sales accepted lead. So take ownership and know that, you know, a business development representative can be that first touch point, that first individual contact that a person has. And if they are, then they need to be very aligned with your marketing content. They really need to speak it as if they wrote it themselves. So for me, I think that that means that it's very important that those those team members are actually 
you know, key stakeholders in the different campaigns that you're launching so that when that person is, you know, kind of tiptoeing in and showing additional interest, you know, they can be prepared to come in and, and be that, that mouthpiece, that voice for all the content and campaigns and beautiful infographics that you've developed to gauge and, and nurture that interest. They are, they really are that first touch point. So to me, I think it's crucial that they are living and breathing in a marketing world versus solely just a sales focused lens. Yeah. Yeah. And and what do you, when you call it a sales focused lens, what's the difference between, what's the difference between those two worlds in your, like, what's the marketing lens? What's the sales focused lens? The marketing lens should always be focused on educational. So you're, you're, you're there to serve your, pers- your prospective client. I think the sales lens is much more about, you know, nurturing that relationship to ultimately a buy. I mean, it's, it is, it is very much with a dollar sign around that relationship a lot of the times. And for marketing, I don't think it should be that way. I think we should be, we, we are best serving ourselves and the ultimate ROI of our campaigns. If we're constantly thinking through the lens of, okay, why would, why would this person care about this piece of content? What are they going to get out of it? And I just think that it is, you know, this is no disrespect to the sales function, but it is a lot more about, you know, what is sales going to get out of uh, that engagement and that relationship? So I think separating those two is, is, is crucial and it, it does help, I think. Yeah. sounds like you're I'm a big Jim Collins guy, right? Like, and like he talks about being relationship driven versus transactional driven. Right. And sounds like you're positioning to you and your, in your opinion, marketing is generally relationship driven and, and sales is transactional driven, right? Yes. And and no disrespect to to the amazing sales leaders out there, but you know, I just don't have that same quota that they have on their head. So I can carry myself a lot differently. And it really is why I advocate to a lot in you know, anytime anybody's thinking about building out a, you know, a CX program that they are in looping in marketing as much as possible. I want to be able to, as a marketing leader, reach out to my, one of my clients, you know, just to see if they might have interest in joining me for a thought leadership event, or if they're okay with me submitting their success story to a publication for an award. That is very crucial so that if there is, God forbid, some kind of issue with, you know, their, their client success manager or their product, that we have that separate separation and they can look at Prophecy or any company in a more, in a less siloed way, right? They can see that there's multiple facets into the organization. So I think it's very important that, you know, anybody looking to build out a CX strategy from scratch really thinks about it from that perspective, that it's not just the CSMs, it's not just the the account representatives. There are many people in the organization that should be involved with shaping the client's experience with your brand. I love that we naturally went from relationship to transaction to experience and brand, right? Because, you know, like that, that to me kind of sums it up, right? Like the idea that your brand is the experience that people can expect. The experience you're giving people is this way that you build a relationship with them. And then transaction is the last piece, right? Like, is that, is that kind of how you, is that kind of how you structure? How do you, you know, this, this term CX, new to me also. (laughs) How do you, what is, what is the origin of this like belief of customer experience and like how, how long has this been in the market? You know, I would say that it's, it's getting more and more broadly, or there's built a lot more awareness in the last, honestly, just several months. I think that ABM was leading the charge for a while. And that was really the alignment between marketing and sales. Now they're incorporating, you know, client success team members into the equation as well, because I think it's just taking, it's just constantly taking a step back and a step back and a step back, 
broadening that picture, you know, looking at the whole puzzle versus just little puzzle pieces here and there. And it's it's looking at the customer journey holistically versus just stage by stage. Again, your 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 customer's experience with you often is interpretive or perceived long before they ever get on a video conference with you. And it's going to be perceived long after they sign that dotted line. So you need to make sure that it's not just a, a silo tunnel vision view of, hey, it matters only at this stage how they uh, perceive our product or our company. It's it's an entire life cycle of a customer before they even know they're going to be a customer and long after they say that they will be as well. In your, in your experience with customer experience, if I can say that, um, <laughs> Should that be a title? Is that a core value? Is that a department? Like it sounds like you know, I I compare it to life cycle analysis, right. and you know, like it like to me, it seems like one of these things where obviously the right way to measure stuff, but it, yeah. it should be so holistic. Is that is that a C level thing? I you know what what do you, what have you seen? What do you think yeah. would be a best practice? And yet, you know, you're asking really great questions that I feel like we're all still developing our hypothesis around. But I think to your point, it is a core value. If that is not something that is cared about from your CEO down, it's not going to be translated across your entire business. So even just hiring a CX team, if, if it's not if it's not really fully bought in across the entire organization, it's going to fall flat. It takes every single member of your company because they're all interacting with your clients directly or across the web. I mean, it, it, the digital world is so vast that it, it, it matters your support team, your your product team, your IT team. I mean, you are every single member of your organization is representing your brand. And every client that you interact with is going to have some level of perception based on, on how those different members are. So yeah, I think it's really, it, it, it can be a department and it can be very specialized. But I do think to your point that it has to be something that is communicated and really believed as a core value from the top down. Have you seen any like really successful implementations of that? Like any kind of like methodologies to do that, right? Like I, I have, I have one client and I love sharing this because I, A, I love these, I love my client <laughs> and I have like a super like man crush with them, uh-huh. but you know, it's just really impressive. They do this, they have this Tuesday morning meeting, right? Where mm-hmm. it's 85, their whole staff, it's 85 people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're just glued to each other for an hour. And the first time I walked into that, it blew my mind to, to like see an entire staff paying attention to each other, right? Like, yeah. And they start with this thing called core values call out where anybody's allowed to stand up and compliment somebody else in the organization based on them executing on one of the core values. And that. I've implemented that into my business, right? So like, is there anything, is there any kind of like lever mechanism like that, that you've seen that works well to really embed customer experience, anything like that? I think that's a really great story. It's it's one I can connect to as well. That's something we do here at Prophecy too. We have a weekly PPI Prophecy plugged in where we not only do we bring on our entire company base to do things just like that, but we bring on our clients too. And it's a really great way for our clients to see, oh my gosh, again, like that the whole view of a company outside of just their client success manager that yes, everything that we preach like it 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 is it exists across the entire organization. And I think 
opening up that visibility, that transparency will go a long way for organizations. I mean, even just communicating in LinkedIn, right? Hey, you know, so-and-so on my team did such a great job implementing and, you know, helping out this client really shows that, you know, client first value is, you know, ever present. Yeah, it, it, it goes a long way. I think recognition, especially, you know, in these days where everybody is just, you know, the, the blur between per- personal and professional is just, you know, ever present still. I think it's really good for people to just stop, take a moment and, you know, recognize all the accomplishments of the different individuals in their organization. Yeah. Can you, can you share with me more about that PPR, PPI, prophecy plugged in? Like what's the structure of that? What is that? Yeah. You know, it came as a result of the pandemic, actually. Our our CEO, Len Finkel, is a huge culture first CEO. And you really get that no matter who you are, when you talk to him. I mean, he is a very genuine relationship driven guy. And he was crushed by the, <laughs> by seeing his, you know, organization less and less. So he wanted to put a weekly meeting on the calendar for just the entire organization. Again, we're global too, right? So it really helped connect remote people that are used to just being kind of remote in general. But the purpose really is to just do just that, like take a moment, reflect on the accomplishments of the week or the quarter or the month, give recognition where it's due and, and just take a time as a company to reflect uh, and appreciate you know, all the hard work that we put in. What I think is really, really great. And I, I love that we're putting our clients or involving our clients in this is that we we bring them on to hear their story. You know, how has our software really helped you? What are things that, you know, you'd like improved upon? What would you like to see? How can we prophecy as a company help you better solve the data challenges in your day-to-day life? And some of them are really meaningful. We work with clients like MD Anderson Cancer Society Center. And I mean, we really hear how our solution is saving lives by giving these these members clean, consistent, trusted data. So it's really powerful. And I think it it resonates with clients. It resonates internally with our different um, employees that you know, hey, we're we're all here for a shared purpose. And let's just make sure that we stop and take a moment to recognize that in various ways each week. That's brilliant. What's what is what does the ask look like for the client? It's like, hey, can you come present to us? Or is it just like, hey, can our whole staff pick your brain? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really the latter, right? So I mean, it gives the client to an opportunity to interact with our CEO. And I think that they find a lot of interest in that. And, and it's a very, you know, low pressure, come if you'd like. You know, nothing is expected of them other than we would just love to hear you know, how your experience is going with prophecy and, you know, you'll have every team member on the line to see, Hey, what can we do to continue to optimize that for you? Learn from you so we can help other clients like you, or how can we, you know, look to make the next release, you know, address some of those issues that maybe we aren't exactly addressing for you today. So it's like a fireside chat with the CEO online. That's right. Like why, why doesn't every single company do that? Right. Like, yeah. I, yeah. is that not the lowest hanging fruit of all time? Pandemic or not, I mean, what an what a value add for your CEO too, right? Yeah. I mean, to just get back into the weeds of, hey, I created and thought of this awesome product to solve this problem. Is it still doing that? Yeah. If you were passionate enough to create this business in the first place, I mean, I'm I I can't imagine any CEO that wouldn't want to just sit down for 15 minutes a coffee with a client and see, hey, like, is this working for you? How is this yeah. going? Yeah. And in front of your whole staff and allow them, you know, like, and allow them to feel the impact of what they're doing. Like, are you, are, are, are you recording that and making any kind of content out of it? So we are really great story actually with Domino's is we're going to do a a virtual event that we have a data after dark series. And it's a great way again, to tee up future conversations and, and you'd be surprised. I mean, 
our clients, I think we do a really good job on nurturing that relationship and always showcasing them as like a data hero, right? So they're so happy to come and talk with their peers in these types of environments. And it really is less about, hey, creating this event and, you know, how many leads are we going to generate? And it's really about, hey, is there something special here in this story that's going to resonate with our core audience? I don't care if it's only, you know, 20, 20 people that show. If it's actually resonating with people that we want to do business with, that we know we can help, that's what I would rather focus on than a, a very broad catch-all, let's see where this sticks kind of event. Yes. Yes. That's okay. So now we're into virtual events. This is, you're like an expert at this, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. No, you're, you're guiding me the whole way. Awesome. Virtual events. You know, when in the, in the online entrepreneurship world, virtual events is like, you know, like in the click funnels world, virtual events are like a, like an online summit. That's like a data grab that then like tries to upsell you a bunch of stuff. Yes. I think in the corporate, in the corporate culture, virtual events, is a much looser terminology. Uh, what do you you know when? What do you think people think of from your company or your colleagues when they hear when they hear a virtual event? Yeah, I think it's really how you described it, and I've tried really hard to change that perception, just even internally to virtual experience. One of the things that I did with our sales team was, you know, obviously during this time they are just removed from all that personal one-on-one interaction, taking their prospects out to dinner, grabbing them a drink meeting them at their office. And I know that that hit them really hard. And so when I was thinking of, okay, well, how can we kind of bring that into this virtual landscape now? That was my guiding principle of, again, that just relationship building, connection building aspect. And of course, that still means that I'm thinking about, okay, what content really matters? What is going to be in it for them? But also I want our our prospective clients to understand who we are as a company. I want them to experience our personality. I mean, we've got, we've got such a great sales team. They literally will have you cracking up all day long. I want our prospective clients to feel that and see that. So we've done a lot of different virtual events that focus on that. So really the community building, in addition to showing them all the latest and greatest to what our, you know, what we're doing in the market from a master data management perspective. But I didn't want to keep doing that behind a a screen where it's just me, other presenters just talking at you. I wanted people to feel like they were a part of this, you know, community with us and, and let them, you know, no, no holds barred, like ask us the questions, like let's, let's, let's get down to it. It doesn't mean we have to have the perfect answer. Maybe we don't have the perfect answer for you, but now we both know that. And I think the authenticity in the way we approach our virtual events really sh- shines through, at least in the feedback that I've been receiving. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot of the stuff that I really, really believe in too, right? Like the authenticity driven by open interaction, not just like a one-way conversation. Talk to me about how you approach your virtual events and and what you're, and what you're doing that, or at least what you, what you like that you're doing. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So for us, again, I like opening it up to be an experience where I'm, I'm imitating as much as I can at what we would do if we were in person, which would involve some fun activities like, you know, wine tastings or, you know, buying them a meal. So all of our events have some kind of component of, Yes, we're all behind a a little video box here, but we're all actually tasting the same wine and we're all actually eating the same food right now. And we're having that collective experience together. And I mean, we've gone so far sometimes as to even just send a candle to all have the same scent (laughs) and just really kind of build that experience. There's ways to do that with things like direct mail and different vendors where you're still bringing that experience to them. So we, we approach events like that too. And 
And every event, whether that just be a, you know, scheduled Zoom call or whether that's a scheduled on 24 webinar event, we do have the chat. It is visible. It is open. You know, people can see if they're not comfortable to come on camera or come on their microphone, they can see the questions we're getting asked and every single one of them gets addressed. And, you know, that I think that goes to show that it's not it's a planned event, but it's not canned. We are here to serve and we are here to openly um, address all of your questions. And it's great. You see people loosen up. You see people not just talk with us, but communicate with one another. And that's the experience we want our prospects to have because we, when you do sign up to be a client, we have a whole prophecy community where that's exactly what they're doing in the community. So again, it's translating that experience that you don't have to be a client yet to experience what it's like to be a client. I love that. My 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 head was somewhere else and then you said something that that totally made me want to go there. But real quick, okay. are you do you take those events and do you are you repurposing that content? Is that stuff that you're making into like LinkedIn posts and things of the sort in smaller yes. form? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Case studies, blogs, ebooks. Yes. No, uh, nothing really gets created without, you know, recycling and using in other meaningful ways as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that 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 to me was the big you know, I've had two big aha moments in this, in, in kind of like this subject matter. Number one is Gary V and seeing how all of his, are you familiar with him? Of course. Yes. Like, like, I don't know how much he's in like fortune 500. He's the guy in marketing. Yes. I, 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 I always, since I, since I come into marketing from studying Gary V, not I've mm-hmm. found Gary Vee because I'm a marketer. Right, right. I always wonder if real marketers respect him or not, right? Like, 100%. But okay, yes. cool, cool. Yes. Yeah, I hope so. Um, yes. <laughs> he's, he's like my <laughs> um, yep. So, you know, seeing seeing his stuff and seeing that his format of small amount of keynote, large amount of Q&A, and then repurposing and how that lands, right? Like the idea that if you can, and now I've experienced it, right? Like I've met him a couple of times. I've been, I've, I've gone to his conference where he speaks. And I know that if he's talking, I can show up, grab a mic, ask him an intelligent question, and I might end up on his Instagram. I'm definitely going to be on his podcast. I'm going right. to- like that, that kind of like sharing of the stage, I found really brilliant. And also the idea that he has people of all shapes, sizes, and colors asking him different questions that he has one answer to makes you really feel like he's got the answer for you too. <laughs> like that, sure. that content and hustle is the answer for me too, right? Right, um, right, right. And then the other one was like a conference fanatic, right? Like I love getting into a room full of people I don't know and making as many friends as possible. And because of that, when I go to conferences, I never watch keynotes. I'm always in the hallway trying to make a buddy, right? The first well-executed virtual event that I went to being Mr. Superfan in the chat while while getting the keynote presentation allowed me to connect with the people in the chat. It allowed me to connect with a keynote speaker. It allowed me to connect with a keynote organizer all yeah. at the same time. I thought it was really, really, really efficient. Is that, you know, is, is that something, I don't know, are, are those realizations you had? Are you driving that stuff on purpose? Can you talk me through how you enable that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I really do hope that that is a trend that is here to stay. I mean, imagine, I mean, everything you're just describing, the difference of being in a, you know, thousand crowded room, listening to somebody versus being in your own space, consuming the content and interacting with everybody else. They might be having similar dialogue and thoughts in their own head and being able to share that. I mean, that is inclusivity. And that I hope that we can keep with things like the virtual events or even hybrid events. It's just, it's opening up the accessibility for everybody to feel comfortable to 
speak their mind, have the ability to speak their mind. They don't have to be two places in, at once anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm just like you, I have gotten more, I've had, I've been able to attend more of these conferences and gain more knowledge and interact with my peers more yeah. now because of this push to virtual. So I, I really do hope that that's here to stay because I think it really allows for inclusivity and diversity of different thoughts, backgrounds, and ideas. Yeah, totally, man. That, like, that's when it hit me that virtual events are here to stay, right? Like yeah. that it's no longer going to be, okay, when we open up, this is over. It's going to be like, it's going to be either or and, right. right? So have you thought through, have you thought through when when we open back? I just got my second shot two days ago, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm super happy. Have you, have you thought through how to combine the two nowadays, right? Like, like moving forward, you're also, you're also an events production, right? Like you've had that, you've had that, that background as well. Yep. Do you have any kind of ideas around that? Are you executing on anything around that yet? Uh, like tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, personally, nothing yet as far as executing hybrid on my own, but I have seen, you know, for an example, you know, so many of us have become accustomed now, I think to virtual wine tastings. And it has been just a game changer for a lot of these smaller vineyards. I mean, they were hit really hard by the pandemic. And there has been, thankfully, a lot of great creative vendors. Purple Cork is one that I love dearly that have partnered with these vineyards to do virtual tastings, get their product out there across the world. And they are, as you know, you've got your second shot. I'm fully vaccinated as well. People are opening things up more and more. They are now having two streams of revenue because of this push. So they're back to their original model, but they also have this virtual model that has worked so well for them that they're not even stepping away from it or shying away from it anymore because they see, hey, I grew my wine subscription actually by, you know, 10% because of this. You know, I'm able to get smaller quantities out the door and also still sell these larger quantities. It's just, it's, it's really opened up, I think, the game for how people are actually viewing their their, their models. And I think it's, it's ultimately going to lead to greater revenue for any kind of, you know, events production company looking to, to still do both, even with the country opening back up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I think anything that reduces friction is good for business, right? Like, so it it doesn't have to be one or the other, as long as it's reducing friction in some way. And people that get this are really going to I think they're going to succeed instead of being beholden to like these old pillars of whatever, just kind of see it for what it is. It's just a reduction of friction, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Cool. You said the, you know, my, my, my favorite keyword, right? Like my whole journey is, is based on community creation being the future of business development. And you said that prophecy has a community that you bring people into despite them being clients or not. Can you describe that to me? Sure. Prophecy Academy is what we call it. And it's really, God, if there is one thing this company does really well, it's content creation. I've never been so blessed to be at a company that just has anything you can think of. Oh, yep. We got content that speaks to that. And they've they've operated their business like that, which really lends itself to be very um, community centric. So it's a community where, of course, you can submit support tickets, feature requests, but we also just have uh, different data leaders just chatting with each other all the time about, you know, different data polls or reports that they're doing and how it's, you know, solving these business problems problems for them. And then we also just have a ton of educational resources, everything from how you should be thinking about master data management as a concept all the way to, okay, here, here's what this very specific feature means for prophecy. So it really covers the whole landscape of what is MDM and what is prophecy. And that's why we're very easily able to serve people who aren't clients yet. And then now that they have had that experience, it's very easy for them to then become a client and interact with those 
those resources that of course are reserved just for customers. Man, that's so awesome. Um, is, is there a, that sounds like a web interface or somewhere that you can go and see all this content. Yeah. Is, is there, am I right on that? Is, yes, correct. Is yeah. there also a space in there that is an interaction point between the clients that are learning themselves? Yes, 100%. Yeah, there's chat functionality. We have we have webinars every month that, of course, allows us to all come together face-to-face or virtually face-to-face as well. But yeah, it's, it's what we would call essentially just a portal where you can uh, log in, so you have access to some things or everything. And yeah, it's just chock full of resources. But also to your point, it gives you the opportunity to just communicate in real time with different users. That's awesome. Is there any is there any direct revenue from that? Like, is that like a portal that has like a freemium piece, anything like that? Yes, there definitely is. There's also like a partner aspect of it as well, you know, to serve that channel too. So it's, you know, not, that was not necessarily the idea in mind, but it, it it has kind of led to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, I, I just see so no downside to everything that you're describing, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like the, yeah. the idea of online interaction that generates content, that content generation is an educational platform. The educational platform is a community tool. The community tool is something that you can directly monetize. Like there's just no doubt, you know, like it goes to, I guess, I guess the guy that's describing this really well is Chris Walker, this idea of this old game to new game of, you know, we're, we're going from the space where, you know, 10 years ago, we were, we were used to the idea that if you want to find out about a company, you gotta, you gotta talk to a salesperson. And nowadays we're in this world where it's like, no, I want to know 90 to 95% of the deal here and only get on when it's transaction time. And the more that reduced friction, the better you're going to do. So is this, where did this strategy come from at Prophecy? Was this like, did your CEO know from the beginning that content is the move? Is he a Gary Vee fan? (laughs) Like what, like how is the, how, how, do you know, do you have any insight into how this strategy came out to be so good? Not the origin, but I can say that our CEO is um, a firm believer in marketing being one of the most strategic departments that an organization can have. And so he is very content centric and driven. And I mean, you know, to that point too, about something like that, think about how you're also using that as a way to educate your employees about your product. Like there's just, to your point, there's no downside. There's just ROI all the way through and through, not just from a searchability for your prospective clients, but not just for educating your clients either. I mean, you should be educating your people as well. I've definitely been at organizations where <laughs> you had different members, whether they're in sales and marketing, a lot worse and weren't, that really didn't know what the solution was doing for clients or how it worked. And maybe they haven't even been logged in. And it's like, that's that's going to hurt you in the long run. You know, you, your people should really know your product uh, inside and out. It's really that content doesn't just serve, you know, that lead generation purpose. It's yeah. it's really serving a lot more than just that. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that, I find that when done well, right? So this company, JWB, the ones that I told you with the Tuesday morning meeting, like mm-hmm. our, our content program that we've positioned as their show, is now driving culture, right? Like it's right. like what they talk about in the lunchroom and, and, oh, you know, people so are, you know, like it's I, like, I just, it's such, it's so much upside. This was awesome. All right. You ready for the lightning round? All right. Okay. Thanks. So. All right. What is your <laughs> favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what do you order? Okay. So little alleys, it is in downtown historic Roswell here in Georgia, and they just consistently deliver the best filet mignon I'd ever had. Okay. Delicious. <laughs> what is, what kind of content are you most into right now? Like this can be Netflix and chill series. It could be book. It could oh be podcast. Like what is, what are you, what are you most into right now? 
Okay. This sounds uh, crazy to admit, but as a marketer, I think a lot of other marketers would get this. I'm really obsessed with the Netflix show, The Circle right now. I've heard a lot of other investigative journalists come out, say that too. And I'm like, okay, all right. It's not just some weird fad. There's some weird social science to this show, but I'm also very guilty. I I love podcasts and particularly I love true crime crime podcasts. Interesting. Cool. So Good data point for me because I see the circle and I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be right. below my understanding to like freak <laughs> show audience or is it good for marketers? I'm in now. I'm like, you got me now. Yes. Good. <laughs> Have you, dude, I didn't realize that the true crime pro- podcasting would be so big until I started going to podcasting conferences and it's like a whole subgenre of like the whole conference, man. Like that's. Yes. I would potentially, if I do a career change ever, that's going to be my career change. It's very cool. Very cool. Uh, awesome. By the way, highly recommend podcasting conferences. Amazing people, right? Okay. Like, yeah. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has a platform. Awesome. I, I Like I started, I, and I think businesses should think of it this way, but like I started going to podcasting conferences like two years ago because I knew that if I build a network of podcasters, I can do my own press releases, right? Like I can, mm-hmm. I can go to my own radio row or inter, or introduce anybody to 10 podcasters, right? Yeah. That so, makes so sense. It's that a makes valid sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enough about me. What is, uh, what, (laughs) what is something that you were sure about in your twenties that you no longer believe? Good question. Almost everything. (laughs) Um, but probably that you somehow have to mold yourself, I think to fit in somewhere. And I think you just need to just consistently be you, even if that's not even perceived by the masses in positive, in a positive light, just be yourself. There's, there's nothing that you must do or have to do in order to be happy or successful. Great insight. Great insight. Okay. Before I ask you my last question, I'm going to, I'll link to your LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, somebody connect with you, but what is, this is your, this is your stage right now. Promote whatever you want to promote. If it's your charity or to connect with you on LinkedIn or prophecy, whatever, what, you know, Talk to talk to a friend that's been hanging out with you thinking you're awesome for the last 45 minutes. Yeah, I would love to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. I mean, I am living and breathing there as if it's my social cooler hangout. So please feel free to reach out to me, Karina Owens on LinkedIn. If you have any data challenges whatsoever, it doesn't matter how small or big you think they are. I'd also be love to nerd out with you about that or connect you with somebody that's much smarter than me at Prophecy. Data challenges, if you have that, just let me know. And yeah, Hearts with our, sorry, a Partnership Against Domestic Violence, super passionate about this charity here in Atlanta. If you're looking to get involved in any way or just like to learn a little bit more about it, or if you think it could be helpful to somebody you know that's in that situation and need, also happy to connect about that privately on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Awesome. Quick question. What is, I like to tell people when giving referrals, it's not like, don't tell me what you do, but tell me when you do it. When, mm-hmm. what, when does somebody have a data challenge? Like, wh- like what is, what is, how do I identify a data challenge? Like what, yep. what is happening around someone's life? Very simple. If you cannot address a question that gets asked of you within a matter of two minutes or less, you have a data challenge. Okay. I got a lot of data challenges. (laughs) (laughs) We got to talk about that. All right, cool. Last question I ask everybody, where do you find community? Yeah. So in a lot of different ways, you know, for professionally marketing peak community, which is where we connected, I cannot speak highly enough about it. It is where marketers, sales leaders go to just talk shop and share war stories with one another. And I have built so many authentic connections across the, across the globe that way. And then in my spare time, I'm actually an aerial silks artist. So if you've ever been to Cirque du Soleil and you see those two ribbon looking things, you really, 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 there's nothing quite like a circus community. So I definitely built a lot of really authentic artistic connections that keep me, keep me fueled. So yeah, those are the two places I go. 
Love it. The circus community. I want it. All right. Karina, thank you so much for doing this. This was awesome. Like I really, you know, you're my first version of this kind of new direction that I'm taking it. You're the first person that I have from the peak community on my podcast. This has been a great experience. It's a, it's a little bit of a different feeling for me doing it, but you made it super easy and I really appreciate it. I hope we, uh, hope we get to be friends. I'm honored, Pablo. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed every bit of this conversation. Thank you so much. Awesome. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.